Ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast, episode 120. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Conry, as well as our guest for today, Kelly Covert. Kelly is an inner voice coach. She has a passion for helping women believe and achieve their big vision by connecting deeply with the intuitive wisdom that is already inside of them. She loves it when women are able to own their worthiness each and every day. Through Kelly's intuitive, heart-centered coaching, she helps women awaken to their true power as creators and world changers. She's the creator of the In Her Voice podcast, and her work has been featured on the Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, and YourTango.com. Kelly, a recovering perfectionist, is also a professional musician, a flutist with Symphoria. She's a wife, the mother to two teenage boys, and the mama to a little beagle named Piper. And now, on to our conversation. Okay, well, welcome, Kelly, to the podcast. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Kelly, I am fascinated by your work. And can we just start with you describing what you do? What is your business right now? So I am an inner voice coach. And what I do is I help and guide women to connect with and live by their inner voice. So one of my superpowers is listening. And I really feel that sometimes we as women, we have so much going on in our worlds, like just with everything, families and work and computers and phones and all of the things that it's really noisy. It's really, really noisy. And so it's hard to tap into our inner voice, that inner wisdom that loves us, that supports us, that can tell us where we need to be going. And it's hard to listen to that. And so I listen for women, I listen to them talk, and I just reflect back what they're saying. I teach them how to begin to practice listening to their inner voice using lots of different tools and strategies and techniques. And really, my goal is always to release them. Like if people come to me for coaching, I don't want them to be with me forever. I want, I want them to learn how to listen to themselves and to trust that and have confidence that they can go forward, believing that even if it doesn't look like what they think they should be doing or what everyone else is doing, that that's something that they can really trust. So I want to hear more about your work, but first I want to hear a little bit about you. How do you ever, what is the path that one goes on to become an inner voice coach? And I just want to say quickly that your superpower is listening. Mine is parallel parking and yours is much more valuable in the world. 
Oh, well, I think I did a parallel parking job the other day in like two things. And I thought I was the most amazing person in the world for five minutes. Yes. Well, I admire your superpower more than mine. So how did you get there? Like, what is the process that when when did you realize that I have this gift, like I have this skill that is really needed? That's such an interesting question. And you know, like I think any purposeful thing that we're doing in our lives, we come to it through many steps and for me, many, many years, but I've always felt like an encourager. So another part of what I do in my life is I'm a professional musician and I play flute with a symphony here in Syracuse and I also teach. And so I would be teaching students how to play flute and I realized I'm not just teaching them the fingerings or the rhythms or the notes. I'm teaching them how to believe that they can do it. I'm teaching them how to trust themselves, how to understand that it's there for them when they need it. And then after I got married and had kids, I started coaching triathlon. And these seems like like two like really different things. It's not. It was the same thing. It's not me giving people the plan. I mean, I did that. That's what they pay me for. But it's really teaching them to believe that, that it's there, that they don't have to earn it, that they're athletes from the beginning. And then it just, I started to see, you know what, this is, this is what I'm here for. That was my through line. This whole path of, of what I've been doing is always about connecting with this inner place of worthiness to, to help women realize I, I have what I need now. I am enough now. I can want more. That doesn't mean I'm broken. I can want better. That doesn't mean I'm not good enough right now. And so I think that in that journey of understanding that and also of learning to love myself as I am and learning to trust my own inner voice, it's just evolved into that. So what is your relationship with perfectionism today? Ooh, I am a recovering perfectionist. That's what I call myself. And like a person recovering from anything, it's a constant awareness that it's easy to slip back into that. And I do. Like things will pop up and I will just like go head first. And then I kind of pull myself up and I think to myself, wow, that was some some perfectionism there. It's for me something that I'm aware of as being a part of who I am. I don't judge it anymore. I let it be there. I love it. I see how it's brought me to where I am. And then I'm able to let it go. And I'm really a lot of it for me with perfectionism. One of the greatest gifts that I've given to myself is just being able to laugh at myself. Being like, oh, there it is again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And being okay with that. And also understanding, again, back to the worthiness piece. I'm never going to be perfect. The world is not perfect. We are made imperfectly. And being perfect is only hiding from something. You know, that's just armor that I'm putting on to try to convince myself that I'm good enough. And when I let go of that and just hold on to the fact that we're all imperfect and that we're all moving in this sort of faulty way and we're figuring it out as we go along, that that's the most beautiful thing that we can do for ourselves. I don't have anything to prove to anybody in that way. Kelly, I want to ask about women in business in particular, because that's typically our audience, our women entrepreneurs. How have you seen this, these kinds of trends like perfectionism play out with, with women who are playing in this field that we're all in together? Well, it's so interesting because I think that 
generally speaking, a woman who is drawn to start her own business is naturally tends to be a high achiever. Like you never, if you're afraid of working hard, typically you're not going to start your own business. And so kind of hand in hand with that comes this idea of doing it the right way. And there's so many things out there. There's so many opportunities for learning. There's so many different courses that you can take. And and everyone has, you know, their own idea of the way that it should be done. And I've fallen into this trap where I see, well, look how she's doing it. She's killing it. That must be the way that I need to do it. And if I'm not doing it that way, then I'm doing it wrong. And what happened to me is when I go down that path, I get really discouraged. And I'm like, well, why isn't it working? And it feels so hard. And I really feel, and this will, this will be like my actual inner conversation. I really feel like I should do this, but that's not what the expert says, or that's not what this book says, or this famous person or whatever. And I realize, you know what? It's the same thing. It's my inner voice. I need to trust that that is going to be how I build my best business. And I have to let go of feeling like it needs to look a certain way. And that's really, really hard because all, not all, but a lot of the messaging is do this and you'll 10x your business. You know, do it this way. You need to email market this way. You need to do social media this way. And I say, forget all of that. And do it the way that you want to do it. And when you do it that way, it feels authentic. It feels easier. It feels less overwhelming. And I think that's how we want to show up anyway. When we're showing up like that, it's people are automatically attracted to us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously in this day of social media, watching what other people are doing is just a constant you know, it's all let's we do that all the time. And it's just so hard. It's so amplified because of social media. Jenny and I have a saying that we often have to remind each other and that's eyes on your own page, because we'll have an idea for something or a concept and we'll start building it out. And then Jenny will see an email of someone doing it this way. And she'd be like, Oh, we well, look, she's doing using this phrase, maybe we should focus on that. And we'd like, jump back and forth and like nothing gets done. And it's like, eyes on our own page, eyes on our own page, we know what we should do here. We do know and it just the distractions are just are just crazy. What are the tools? Like what do you like, other than this inner talk, you know, to say, like recognize those sort of that voice that's saying you're not worthy or you're, you know, you're not good enough. What tools do you recommend that women use to to get back on track when they kind of veer? I think that having a good daily practice of tapping in, whatever that looks like for you is really, really useful. So for me, I journal a lot. I've been trying to meditate more. It's not something that comes supernaturally to me, but when I do it, I've done it three days this week already. When I do it, I feel so much more centered. I feel so much more connected to what I'm doing. I think intention setting is huge. Like having that intention from the beginning of the day, that really is affirming and moving you in the direction that you want to go without making you feel less than or not good enough is really, really important. But just having this practice of listening and we can practice it in so many different ways. Some people don't like journaling. Fine. You know, talk to yourself. Talk out loud. Literally ask yourself the question, what do I need to hear today? Where am I going today? We don't stop and ask ourselves those kind of questions. We're just so busy making the list and doing the things. It's really about giving ourselves the time and space 
to pull back, to pay attention to our center, to our core, not anybody else's. I Going back to the last question that you said in regards to social media, just recently, I unfollowed a ton of other businesswomen, not because I don't love them. Some of them I even know personally and are friends. And I unfollowed them because I was being so influenced by what they were doing without realizing it. I would just be, you know, scrolling through, scrolling through. And, you know, I it's exciting to see someone doing well. But then I realized I, I was coming to this place of like feeling like, well, that's what I had to do. And so I unfollowed hundreds of people like ruthlessly emails, getting off email lists, taking them off my Instagram. And that really, really helped me. So sometimes the tool can be subtracting, subtracting things from your life too. Mm-hmm. Are there specific journaling prompts? Like, do you go through the same prompts every day or every week? Or do you intuitively, do the prompts intuitively come to you and change over time? That's a good question. I rarely journal with prompts. I give prompts to my clients often because especially when you're first journaling, sometimes it's hard to get going. But the practice that I really love best is what I call clearing space. And it's a form of morning pages, if you guys are familiar with morning pages. But it's just writing, free writing for, you know, five or 10 minutes. And usually when you're doing that, it's horrible. (laughs) It's nothing that you would ever want to read again. It's nothing that you want to share. It could be what you're thinking about getting at the grocery store that day or how mad your partner made you or whatever. But usually after five or 10 minutes of that, especially the more you practice it, you come to sort of a natural stillness. Like, okay, what am I going to write now? And to me, that's the place where my journaling begins. Like, okay, now I'm dialed in. Now I'm connected. And I almost always start with the question, what do I need to hear today? And I don't write it down or anything. It just is in my head and then trust what comes up. And that's the hard part. I think when when we're journaling, sometimes we feel like we have to perform and it has to be beautiful and it has to be the right thing. And this goes back to the perfectionist qualities. So just whatever thought pops into your head, write it down and trust it. And the practice of doing that over and over and over again helps you to see that you can trust that. And then you start to learn how to ask the right questions, which that's what prompts really are, right? Or asking questions that are going to give you the answers that you're looking for. So I think prompts are great. I don't really have a set prompt that I write to unless I'm doing a big journaling challenge, which I do periodically. And then I write on all the prompts that I give in the, in the challenge. I recently, well, not recently, I am currently reading a book, Story Catcher, and I can't remember the author's name, but Jenny will, Carol, somebody. No? Anyway. I'll look it up. <laughs> we both have the book. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. And she talks about writing as a, as a skill and how valuable storytelling is. And she talks about journaling and suggests journaling in third person for those that really struggle with journaling, which I do. And for that reason that I think it has to be good writing. And and she's like, just if you start to say like, once upon a time, there was a woman that, and, and that third person will sort of take you out of that space. And I thought that I haven't actually done it, but that I think I could do. I could start to start to tell a story about where I am in my life right now. And then things will kind of show up or, you know, those answers that those answers will, will come. Another good technique is writing letters to yourself. 
And I find that to be really valuable. And sometimes I'll just write notes to myself in my journaling, you know, and they always, almost always, they will say, you're loved, you're worthy, you're worthy, you matter. And we need to hear those things from ourselves. I think we seek that a lot externally and we want that external affirmation and validation. But I think if we learn to give that to ourselves more and more and more every day, then we don't need that external affirmation as much. And we're able to just sort of like love from the inside out. Hmm. So the writer of Storycatcher is Christina Baldwin. And mm. it um, sounds great. I'm going to yeah, grab Yeah, it. it's really powerful. Her work is really powerful. She She writes about women sitting sitting in circle and sharing circle. And anyway, that we're going to have a whole conversation about her work. But you know, this, this story, what you said, Sandy, reminds me of a conversation I had recently with a friend of mine, who's a man who's writing a book of historical fiction. And he said the exact opposite, actually, I wonder if there's a gendered difference in how how we respond to voice, because he was saying how hard it is for him to write Mm. in the third person, and, and how much easier it is for him to write in the first person. So he's exploring this for his novel as a fiction but not as journaling was he talking about but in in general writing is writing Mm -hmm. right I mean I think we it's easier we all have have different ways that writing comes naturally to us and I just I think that to hear you say what Mm -hmm. you just said as opposed to what this other friend of mine said you're polar opposite with each other and I think you hold you know that plays out in other ways and how you show up in the world. Yeah. So just an observation. Yeah, that's interesting. Kelly, are most of your clients business women? The clients that come to me are women who feel that there's something more, but aren't sure what that is yet. And it's interesting because sometimes they think that it has to be a business, that they're not, if they're not working their purpose, that they're missing it, right? That it, they're not doing it justice. And just the other day, I was telling a client, you know, you need to give yourself permission to not have to start a business if that's not what you want right now, if that's not where your inner voice is leading you right now, that's okay. And that's another thing about in this age of social media, if you get like in certain circles, it feels like what you have to do to create impact and to matter is quit your day job and start a business and do these things. And that's not true. So I really like to support all kinds of women. And really, it's about living your passion, living your purpose, whatever that looks like. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com. And for most of your clients, what is blocking them from just going out and doing it? Like, why do they need you? Why do they oh, need you? Well, they're scared to death. Fear they're scared to death. They're afraid of doing something that feels crazy. They're afraid of doing something that feels not like themselves, of not fitting in with how they were taught to be, you know, as they grew up, you know, like even with parenting, that was a big one for me. When I became a parent, that's when it, when I really started to understand that my inner voice wanted me to do differently. And I struggled. And I felt like because 
I wasn't aligned, that they didn't coincide, that there was something wrong with me. Well, this is what I'm feeling like I, I want to do in my parenting, but this is what I should do because this is how I was raised and this is how you do it. And this is what the books say and this should work, but it never did. It never did. And so it wasn't until I really started listening that I, <laughs> I felt like, oh, wait, I can be a parent. I just need to be the parent I was born to be. And I have to parent the child that I was given, not someone else's child. And so, you know, it's about trusting when things don't look like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Before we lose that train, I just wonder, do you do this work with your children? Do you do this kind of work with children in general? I think you can. I have two boys. They're 15 and 12. And they hate everything that I say <laughs> because they're teenagers, you know, like, what does she know? And so I, the best thing that I can do for them right now is model. And that's what I really try to do in my language, in how I talk to them and the things that I highlight to them. I try to model connecting in and listening to your inner voice. And it's, you know, when you're a kid, when you're in high school and middle school, it's hard it's hard to go against the flow in that way. And they're not fully developed yet. Their personalities aren't fully developed. I think it's, it's difficult for kids at that age to understand how to trust that. But we can tell them and we can tell them and we can tell them and fingers crossed, like it's going to come through. But I think we all have to go on that journey of almost losing who we are to find ourselves again. I, I don't... I don't know that we can't avoid that. I, I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about that because there's so much that we take on as children without even realizing it. I don't know that it's possible to never lose, lose sight of who we are. Yeah, I would agree. I, I remember my, I have a big brother who's, who's a huge defining force in my life and, and in many ways like a parent to me, a primary parent. And I remember I was an activist kid. I feel like I was totally myself as a kid. And then I strayed for a long time. And my adulthood is about finding who I really am again, which is who that little child was. But my, I remember being a teenager and my brother really telling me, you know, you've got to build the wall because your work is going to be taking it down, but you got to build it first. And I was like, what are you talking about? I am strong and fierce and this is who I am, you know, and I had, I had to learn. I had to go through my own process. And so I think that's really similar to what you're describing. And it turned out he was right. <laughs> but <laughs> I had to make a whole lot of mistakes and then spend years undoing them. And that's just part of, I think that's part of being a human and having a journey as a human being. But my worry is that women will not find someone like you or a group of friends or someone to support their dreams and that they will play a role that they're expected to play and not go beyond that if they want it. That there's these, un, you know what I'm saying? Like just, I want them to go big if they want to go big. And I think there's so many cultural forces that keep us small. And even before you jumped on Zoom with us, Jenny and I were talking about our lives and saying, you know, we have great lives. We really do. But we want more. And then there's this guilt about wanting more because really we should be grateful for, for what we have and who we are and how we live. It's fantastic. But there's this like, but I want more. And like, but should I want more? Because there's so many other people who are struggling and don't have what we have, you know? And it's like, ah, it makes me so crazy that this is so hard to reach a dream. It's so difficult to find 
I don't really believe in balance, but I do think that there's a balance point of wanting more and feeling the enoughness of now. And I listened to a great, I know you guys are podcast listeners too. I, I listened to The Cut on Tuesdays mm-hmm. and they had a, had a show last week about can you be ambitious and happy? And they interviewed, you know, these women that are in their 30s and 40s about is is this possible? Is it is it possible to want more than what you have now and be happy now? And I think it's such an interesting question that I still haven't quite found the answer to. But I think that the key to understanding that is we want more. If you want more now, if you feel that wanting in your life, I think it's there for a reason. I don't think that we make that up. And all of the women out there, whether or not they have ever heard of this, if they're out of alignment with that, you feel it. You feel the rub of, of not being where you want to be. And I think what we have to start changing is not the desire to be more, to want more, but understanding that we are allowed to want more and at the same time, we're enough. Like yeah. that's, okay. that's okay. And that's, that's, I think that's the tricky part of it because it's like, I feel like we had, we need another word for it or we need another language for that because the words that we use to describe wanting more kind of exclude out satisfaction in the present. Yeah. Rachel Hollis has a really good chapter about this on, in her new book, the girl stop apologizing book. She has a whole chapter on ambition and sort of, especially how that plays out with women, how it's often this tricky concept for women to play around, play with. Yeah. I mean, I would say my take on this is it's hard as an ambitious person to not be defined by each milestone that I'm striving for. And I think that's how it is for a lot of our listeners as well, which is it's great to be ambitious. And it, as long as you're meeting your goals and your achievement is where you want it to be, then it, then, then, so often you're defined, your happiness is defined by whether or not you're meeting that next, that next bar, right? And it's so easy to fall victim to, oh, I failed. And then now that's defining who I am as a person because I didn't meet this one objective in this one timeline. Yeah. And I think that what I'm learning to be the key to that is being present. Like if, if you're here now and you have a big vision and you have goals, but you can be unattached to them and really let that go. Yeah. And always in this moment, then how does that feel? Like right now with you guys, this feels fantastic. Like this is exactly enough for me right now. And so that's the feeling that I want. And and I can be here with you guys and feel like enough right now that this is great and want more clients and want to write a book and all of those things. So, but if I never do that, that this right now is still good. So I think that we have to let go of always thinking forward and allow ourselves to be in the moment and to like kind of ask the question, like, how am I feeling right now? Is this enough right now? 100%. Or if it's not, how can it be? And usually I think that those goals aren't going to make this moment any better, right? Is this moment going to be any better because I've already written my book? No, this is great right now. And so just being present at the same time that we're letting go of the expectations And that doesn't mean not dreaming and it doesn't mean not having goals and it doesn't mean not having vision. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's exactly 
what we were sort of grappling with before you came on. So thank you. Thank you for that. All right. I think, Kelly, we are going to move into Prue's questionnaire. Are you ready for this? <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You just answer one word, two words, whatever. I'm getting nervous already. Yeah. See, this is my perfectionism coming <laughs> up because what if I say the wrong thing? There is no wrong thing. It's just, it's just about you. No wrong thing at all. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Reading a book on the couch. Oh, ditto. What is your greatest fear? Not being good. Which living person do you most admire? I admire a lot of people. I don't know if I could narrow it down to just one person. Just name a few. Well, I really like Oprah. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's her, like she is Oprah. You know, I love the her Oprah-ness. I love that about her. I really admire Brene Brown. I think that like, I just love how smart she is, like unapologetically smart. Hmm, who else do I really admire in person? I'll leave it at those two. Okay, that's fine. What is your greatest extravagance? Well, I get my nails done every two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Which talent would you most like to have? I would so like to be able to draw well. Like you can, you can learn that. Mm, Yeah, with all of my extra time. Well, yeah, that's that's another issue, but you can learn to draw. Uh, What do you consider your greatest achievement? My kids. Where would you most like to live? Right here. Which is where? Syracuse? Oh, Syracuse, New York. Yeah. I forget that not everybody knows that. Yeah. I love it here. Here is home. What is your greatest regret? I try really hard to not have regrets. And it comes from this regret that I have. And I feel (laughs) like I learned a lot from this regret. When I was in grad school for music, I got a degree in flute performance. I applied for a very select it's this studio in England with a very famous flute teacher and he only takes six people a year to study at his studio and I got accepted and I didn't go because I felt like I didn't have the money and as it turned out I moved to Syracuse and I met my husband and I have my beautiful family so I don't regret not going I think this is the way that it was supposed to be but what I regret is feeling like money was the thing that kept me from doing this amazing thing. And I just like really hold on to that. I just feel like money is just a thing and it's powerful and we need it. But when there's something that is like, if money is the thing that's standing between you and your dream, there's a way around that. There's a way to figure that out. And so I just, I just feel like it's just money. Like I don't let it get to me anymore. And one last one, what are you what is the current book that you're reading? I read many books at a time and I'm really bad about like I would just read I don't even know the name of them. Here, I have to pull it up on my It's good whatever it is that I'm reading. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, it's by Eleanor Lipman. It's like a like a fun little chick flick novel. I love those kinds of books. No yeah, I can't even remember the name of it, but it's good. Thank you. Okay, and now we dive into the joy and hustle portion of our podcast. So if you could share a tool to help our listeners hustle in their business and also a resource to bring them joy, and that can be an album, it can be a book, it can be a practice, something that you love that you think others would also love. Okay, so I'll share my joy first because this is a new joy to me. And I think especially for women who own their own business, it's something we really need to think about. And that is the joy of taking a weekday off 
Nice. And not working, not a weekend day, mm-hmm. a weekday. And what brought me to this is because of my performance schedule with my symphony, I often work on weekends. And so I w- was realizing I never have a day off. I'm either working on my business or I'm working with the symphony. And I just, it's like constant. It just goes and goes and goes. And so I sat down with my calendar and I blocked out like four weekdays this month that I'm not going to do any coaching. I'm not going to do any work work. And that feels super powerful and joyful and like, oh, why didn't I do this before? Like all grown up, you know? Right. Like I will take control of my own life and take a day off. So that's bringing me great joy right now. Yesterday was one of those days and I took a bath in the middle of the day. Wow. I love that. Right? Who does that? I know. Nobody does that. (laughs) I know. Me. I do that. So that's my great joy right now. And I am using a new tool that I'm loving for hustle. And I imagine that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, are into the woo. And oh, so yeah. I don't think we'll be too far off. And I wrote it down so I don't so I get the name right. It's called Moonsight Planner. Oh. And it is a digital calendar. She also has a hardback like analog if you want that. That you can, it goes into either your Google calendar or your iPhone calendar and it syncs up and it tells you each day, like what is happening with the moon cycles and like you put your birthday and location in. So I'll pull it up. It's right in my Google calendar where I have anything. So today we're on day nine of 24 of Mercury and retrograde. Oh, we know that. Our clients (laughs) write into support. And and there's, so if you click on the thing, it gives you this whole like explanation of like what you, you know, Mm -hmm. should do or maybe what you shouldn't do and the things that it wrecks. And then um, let's see, tomorrow is a void moon, which means that that is when the moon is between two zodiac signs, but isn't reflecting elements or making any major aspects with either signs. And so like she says, like it's best to avoid webinars or presentations. (laughs) Like it's kind of like syncing your business up with the moon. Yes. It's so funny that you bring this up because we just had a client who's like, I want to join Nomstream, but I can't because it's Mercury retrograde. And we were like, what? She goes, I'm going to wait till that passes. And then I'm going to sign up. I, okay. And Jenny's like, what is this? And I was, and my mom, it was uh, an emergency room nurse in pediatrics. And man, those guys track the moon. Like they know that there's some wacky stuff that goes on in the world. Like anyone who works for first responders at all, they know, right? And so we've did a, Jenny, we did a a webinar once on a full moon or uh, some weird planetary thing. We're like, oh my God, never again. And so I have. Yeah, no, no, convert kit broke. I remember we couldn't send the email about the webinar because convert kit broke. It was like down. Yeah, and and the webinar was, everything was, was just. I mean, it was everything like went wrong a lot. The internet breaks. But I've never known how people follow that stuff. Like, I have a little Chrome extension to tell me what if what if what when the full moons are or new moons. But I don't. But this is like puts it together for me with explanation. Oh, yeah, this is great, ah. and it's cheap. It's like seventeen dollars. Wow! And she has a whole video of like how to like connect it into your phone. It, it took me 10 minutes. So, and it's not just when Mercury is in retrograde. It's also like when um, next week there's a thing like the fire energy, oh, Virgo earth energy. Oh yeah. Super cool. So good. And I think like the, how I'm using it is sometimes I will feel like a heaviness or a weightiness or I feel tired 
or whatever. And I do track my cycle, my own cycle to, mm-hmm. to pay attention to that. But I think this just gives one more layer of insight to kind of understand the feelings that we're feeling. And I think if you couple this with listening to your inner voice, that is some fantastic just mm-hmm. way of being. Wow. Well, I think you don't realize by saying this tool on the podcast, how many hundreds yeah, or even thousands of these things <laughs> really <laughs> just sold for this woman. <laughs> if you have an affiliate link, let us know. And, well, it's funny because this this year, one of the things I decided to do was really share other people's work. Mm-hmm. And that's what really, I spent a lot of time sort of in reflection of last year and what I, what I wanted to accomplish this year. And the word share just kept coming o- up over and over and mm-hmm. over again again. And so I'm excited to share it because it's really good. It's really good. And I've only had, I've only been using it for about a week and I love it. Fantastic. Well, we will both yeah, be I already put it in, as in my shopping cart up. while we're while you're talking. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so much for your time and for this conversation. I know our listeners are going to love it and learn a lot. And where can they find you on the internet if they want to connect with you further? Well, you can always go to my website, kellycovert.com. That has how to talk to me about services if you want to set up a discovery call. I also have a few courses, um, Tapping Into Your Inspired Potential, which is a journal course and actually made these really beautiful journaling meditations to go with it with music. And so I have that. And I also have a course on overcoming perfectionism, which as we know, you don't ever really overcome, but um, it's really a good way to start reframing how you look at who you are. And then if you really want to connect with me, like talk to me, kind of in person, Instagram is the best way. I'm always there. And I do lots of stories and posts and I'm at Kelly J Covert. And you have a podcast. Did you mention your podcast? No, I didn't. Thank you. You guys, and you guys are going to be on my podcast. We already recorded. It's coming up soon. My podcast is In Her Voice and it's about listening to your inner voice. And I have beautiful guests like you guys talking about how you listen to your inner voice and how you push through fear and really move into who you were meant to be. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Kelly. It was just a pleasure to have you on. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free. Thank you.